Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas. On Second Thought, episode 312. Did it happen or did it happen in Dallas? 3430. We were wrong. Never Greg McElroy was wrong, as, as were many other pundits who thought that the Texas Longhorns would beat Oklahoma. But here we sit. The, the Horns are now 5 and 1, 2 and 1 in conference, sitting behind the Sooners and the surprising West Virginia Mountaineers at third place in the Big 12. My guy, Kirk Bowles, said that Texas would be 11 and 1. He called it at the beginning of the season, which means they got to run the table. Will they run the table, Duck? I'm giving you a chance right now to either say yes or change your pick, and no one likes to change their pick. What say you, Duck? No, why should I change? They're an 11-1 team. Now, that doesn't mean a hiccup can't happen. And, you know, the injuries, you never know. I mean, they're starting to get that. Injury bug starting to bite a little bit, but I don't think there's anybody on the schedule they won't be the favorite against, and maybe, maybe even big favorites sometimes. But I just think, and here's kind of what I go back, back to. I thought, and I wrote my nine things this week. They they really brought their C game to the Cotton Bowl. The, they, all right. well, they did not play four full quarters of football. I mean, they lost the turnover battle, three nothing. Gave up five sacks, sacks and gave and got only one. Uh, they were one for three in the red zone. Oklahoma six for six in the, the red zone. Uh, they didn't get any kind whistles. Uh, they had a terrible breakdown defensively to end the game. Uh, some iffy clock management. I mean, you just go down the list, and they didn't play well. Now they had moments. Quinn Ewers who I bragged on in my nine things, you look at after two interceptions and 11 plays, uh, 29 to 32. Great. 340 yards. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing, isn't it? And I don't know if we felt like that when we were watching. You and I sitting next to each other. I don't know if I had that feel that, oh, my God, he's had a great game. But I'll wrap it up with this. If they had played their A game, they might have just torched Oklahoma. They didn't come they close played to their playing B their game. A. I think they would have beaten Oklahoma. Yeah. Real and talk. would have won. If, if any of this change of events, I mean, you have one less turnover. And three turnovers, Oklahoma only got seven points off that. So they had moments. But you can't have a prevent defense on a drive that goes five straight pass completions and a pass interference you got to score from the one on four tries. It basically kind of came down to that. So long-winded answer, I think they can run the table, and we'll get back to the schedule. But give me your uh, takeaways, largest takeaways from the Cotton Bowl. That is a great take, Duck. Just a great take. You didn't hide behind 11-1. and one. You, 
You own that 11 and 1. I like it when you own it, Duck. I like it when you own it. Quinn's got to be better in the first quarter. What if, he, what if he's just average Quinn in the first quarter? He does. What if, the, what if they just punt those balls? I mean, only yeah. they didn't get that many. They didn't score, what, three points off those turnovers? Is it what it was, three points off those turnovers? Seven. I think it was seven, seven, I think. seven off those turnovers, so it didn't kill him. No. But he didn't come out smoking like I thought he would. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are just as good, if not better, than the Sooners. And it's eerily, eerily similar to 2018. I thought that 2018 team that beat Oklahoma played over their heads. I do. I don't think Oklahoma played over its head against Texas. This is who they are. They have a quarterback. They don't run it very well. They're way better on defense than they have been. Jeff Levy has figured out how to get past the lack of a good run game. They don't have a stud running back. But they but they've got enough weapons on offense to 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 make some noise and maybe win this conference. But I see a rematch happen. I do, Doug. I do. I wish that Texas played West Virginia this year. They don't, do they? I looked on the schedule. They don't play West Virginia. West Virginia is surprising. We I, did we have both have Neil Brown getting the axe this year? Maybe we did, Doug. I gotta go back and look in the preseason. But I don't know that I had Neil Brown last year. I think we had him getting fired. So he's done some great great job up in in, uh, Morgantown. But uh, the takeaway for me is Quinn's got to be better. And, man, that offensive line, Duck, and that secondary, Duck. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those areas. But first, I want to – I want – the, the the four plays that I will always remember when I'm your age and I'm gumming peaches in the home, I'm I'm gonna remember first and goal at the OU one in the third in the third quarter. And they come away empty. Mm-hmm. And I want to play for our viewers and our listeners, Steve Sarkeesian's reply to your question. And here's your question. Yeah, Steve, uh, your game plan was creative as hell with fake punts and Savion Unred and Gunner Hellman all. The the four tries from the one. That uh, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> is is that, a... <laughs> do you see that as a, a toughness issue? And did you just <sighs> felt like you should have been more creative there? Uh, I, no, I don't think it was toughness at all. Um, you know, the, the, the first down play, you know, their, their kid makes a, a really nice play. He kind of shoots the gap and, and gets into to Jonathan Brooks's legs. Uh, the second down call, um, that was the sequencing of those two calls that I knew I was going to go with there. Um, and it, the edge, just we just don't get enough of the edge, and we get the ball down to the one again. Quite frankly, if I could do it all over again, I would have changed the third down call. Um, I might have ran what I ran on fourth down, on third down, um, which I don't know if that's creative enough or not, but I probably would have done that on third down and then gone to something a little bit different on fourth down. So, uh, you know, I don't call it stubborn, whatever it was. You know, I went back to the first down call on third down and, and obviously not effective enough. And I'd love for us to execute it a little bit better than we did, but um, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. And so um, – but yeah, it sucked. I like the honesty from Sark. 
Yeah, me too. You know, I, I know coaches don't like it when writers second guess, but I kind of like it when a coach second guesses himself. Yeah. He's able to look at that and he goes, it could have been better. He could have been better there. You really have to be creative, creative, but um, throwing it on fourth, no, no. He had to do something different by that point, but it's like Keith said, he, he should have done it on third down, but, you know, where's the pop pass? What about a pitch on the perimeter? Uh, what about going four wide to take some of those bodies out of there? And I don't know. It's just – it's almost like every time I see a team and they get this great play, they're down to the one-yard line, well, they're going to score. You go, no, not always. Not my fantasy league it, teams. No. I know. No. It, it happens. It happens. So – but, no, he – I thought uh, – Sark's approach on Monday was very uh, even keeled, very direct. Uh, you know, some coaches, like you say, can get defiant, get a little feisty over some questions, and and know, you know, here they are, come within 15 seconds of winning, and they might be number one in the country this this week. But that's how cl- fine the line is between the two. So I thought his approach was good. And uh, he knows they didn't play their A game. He, he knows they weren't close to that. And he went down one issue after the other, you know, turnover, not get enough fumbles, uh, were not that one good sack. in the red zone. I think one sack. One sack. And they basically ran him out of bounds. So it was kind of a lukewarm sack at that. <laughs> so he wasn't hiding. For it was a bag. Days. It wasn't a sack. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a push out of bed. So, yeah, I think they can go 11-1. to 1. I still can. Do you? Are you thinking with your head or your heart, Mr. Bowles? No, always with my head. Got to be objective, man. We're journalists. So, I, they've, they've got some tough games. You, I don't know if you want to play the schedule game right now, but I don't know if you've got a trap game in mind. If you had to say there's one game, one game left, in the second half of the season, where might they stumble? There are two, actually. One's BYU and the other one's Texas Tech. Who you got if they lost one? Mm, BYU's better. BYU's better than Tech. Uh, BYU's more offensive. Uh, Tech's quarterback, Tyler Shuck, broke his leg, and uh, that that hurts them. Uh, They uh, historically rarely show up in Austin to, to put up a fight. So uh, if that game were in Lubbock, it'd be no question that would be the one. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, if they get past BYU, uh, TCU just doesn't seem to have any juice, even though better, uh-huh. really good Texas teams have gone to Fort Worth and lost, but they don't seem to have any juice this year. Uh, K-State didn't show up in Stillwater. Uh, we watched that game. Where were we, Duck? We were at the Yard House. Yeah, Friday night. The Yard House in Arlington. Uh, watching watching Oklahoma State run over um run run over K State, which I thought was shocking. Yeah, uh, me too. So it just kind of goes to show you how the Big 12s is not very good this year. I mean it's even it's evenly matched, but it's very top heavy. And if you're asking me right now, I West Virginia's not gonna hold that lead. Uh tech, it's gonna be Texas and Oklahoma in the Big yeah. 12 championship game. And Texas gotta make sure that uh, so if all three, well, if OU runs the table and Texas and West Virginia both have a loss, is that going to be West Virginia getting the getting the nod, Duck? Well, West Virginia's got to run the table. But if they didn't, if if they lost another game and Texas lost another game, it'd be West Virginia because uh, 
I, w- I would think. Uh, they play Oklahoma. I don't know. It's kind of screwy. I'm, I'm not sure what West Virginia is. It feels very like. much like 2008 right now, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly in their hands because Oklahoma plays West Virginia. But if Oklahoma can afford to lose one game, and I think they might lose a second game. Look at this schedule, Sid. They're off this week, which is good for them because I can't imagine them being at that emotional fever pitch like they were Saturday. Then they got UCF. Uh, you know, I like Gus Malzahn. You know, they uh, screwed up and blew that 28-point lead to Bader. But I think they've got some talent. Then they go to Kansas. I don't know if, if if their quarterback is back yet or not, if that's still Jason Bean. He's still hurt. Then they go to Oklahoma State. They go to Stillwater for maybe the last bedlam ever. Then they host West Virginia, the surprise of the Big 12. Then they go to BYU. We've been there. We know that's not an easy place to play. They don't have caffeine in the press box. How tough? That's got to be tough. That's got to be a tough game. They host host TCU at the end. So they've got a much more treacherous schedule, you know, throughout than Texas does. But they have that one game lead in the the win column. So uh, you touched on it, too. It's like, you know, we're halfway through the season. What would you say is the most disappointing facet of the game for Texas uh, position group, would you say? Secondary really disappointed me in this game. And I know the OG Ryan Watts is out hurt, and they missed him, Doug. They missed they did. him. They did. He's There's their a best little player. bit too much gambling going on, on on the boundary and, and on those out routes. And Dylan Gabriel was taking some chances, but he's got just strong enough an arm to make it happen. Pretty good arm, but – um, particularly down the stretch when Texas, when the clock was their friend, uh, there were a couple of times when cornerbacks, uh, it was either Gavin Holmes or Malik Muhammad, they both committed this offense during the game. Uh, going going for the showtime play instead of just wrapping up and, and, and making the tackle and inbounds and keeping that clock running uh, because they didn't have any timeouts. That 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 was a tough pill to swallow if I'm a Texas fan because they just did they just didn't play good situational football at that point. And um it's been one of the more reliable. They've given up a couple of big plays this season, but it's been a pretty reliable on the back end. And I think Duck, it may have been a product of the fact that the Longhorns didn't really generate a great pass rush uh late in that game. Yeah, and Malik Muhammad to me really didn't show up much. He didn't have a tackle. You know, he had a, a several missed tackles that I remember. Catalan had that big play where he never saw the ball, you know, and gave up that pass interference uh, deep. Um, just never seemed to get on track. You know, Gavin Holmes, the, the transfer from Wake Forest, I just don't remember seeing him this year where, oh my God, that was a big play. You know, I've seen all the other. I'm a big Jade Barron fan, as or, you know, I know you are too. You know, Jaron Thompson can, can be kind of hit and miss. Keaton Crawford got burned in the Kansas game on that deep 58 yard post. So I think the secondary's been hit or miss too, and they miss Ryan Watts. But I'm going with the offensive line. I give them a little bit of an out with injuries because Cole Hudson's been out a couple games now. Uh, didn't get on the field Saturday. Then to lose your starting center, Jake Majors, a junior, you know, the fifth play of the game. That's tough to bring in Connor Robertson, and he's basically the third string center because uh, Steve told us that uh, 
Cole Hudson would be the backup center if he would have been uh, healthy. So you put your third string center redshirt freshman in that environment and played 74 snaps. He did okay. He did uh, respectable. He held up well. But I just don't see them creating big rushing lanes for Jonathan Brooks or C.J. Baxter, like I thought for – an offensive line that was really heavily touted. Everybody, every starter's coming back, and I just don't think they have delivered anywhere close. And to me, and and Sark disagreed with me. Tell me what you think, Sid. I thought that those four stops at the edge of the goal line it was a toughness issue. I've always felt that way about football. I've always gone crazy when you're at the lip of the end zone and you're in the shotgun. No, you just get under center and you look like go Jalen Hurts on them. And uh, I think that's a toughness issue. Sark disagreed. What say you? I think it's a decision issue. Um, I think these offensive-minded coach coaches really fail when they don't have a goal line package where the quarterback is under center. Uh, because uh, Queen Ewers is not little. Well, he's not big anymore. But no, I'd put Malik Murphy in there at center. Yeah. So I, I don't. I just don't. You had your big boys. You had your big boys in there. Yeah. The tackles were in there to block. That didn't work out. Uh, there was beef in the back, but I just, I just think there should always be a package. And you're doing the defense a favor when you're on the goal line and you're you snapping the ball back to the five. Because if you get penetration, then then that's half the battle. Uh, if you're the defense, and but if you're up under center, it's going to be hard to stop a team four straight times from the one-foot line, I would mm-hmm. think, especially a team with an offensive line that's purported to be as good as Texas. So uh, I, I was disappointed in the line play. Um, they they didn't they, they, they didn't just – you know, offensive line play is about imposing your will and, oh, you mm-hmm. won that battle. And usually the team that wins up front wins the game. And uh, that game was still on the table either way. And I just, I just think that the Horns um, – I hate. I hope that I'm wrong when I say this, Doug. But I think in ten years they're going to be sitting around in their thirties, going, "Man, we had them, we had them, we had them. We had a chance to run the table, and they still have a chance to win the Big Twelve. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about winning all the games that 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 sets you apart from other teams. Not many Texas teams have run the table, and this one had a good chance. I was talking to Bob Ballou Monday after the press conference, and we were kind of commiserating about the game. And uh, in the CFP, there have been 36 teams or 36 appearances by teams uh, in the CFP era. Uh, 22 of them went in with a loss. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Now, no team. No team has made it in with two losses, so and, that, and that'll still be the case until next year. Until when we go the twelve, 12 teams, teams shows up, you know, and then we might have five or six two loss teams. I we don't might have a three loss team in there, Doug. Yeah, you, you just don't know with twelve with twelve. So Texas just has so much more to play for, and uh, and I think you had it in your column Tuesday. There are like fourteen undefeated teams left, eleven Power Five. Teams, but OU is the only one in the Big 12. Georgia is the only one in the SEC. And you look at the Big 10 and the Pac 12, 
They each have three unbeaten teams, but they're going to beat each other up because they haven't been playing each other yet. So. Ohio State's got to play Michigan. Penn State's got to play. I think yeah. Penn State's got to play Michigan. They play uh, both of them. They so they do. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be some unbeaten having having to to get after it against one another. Did or has Oregon Oregon lost a game? They did, didn't they? Uh, Oregon. Do they undefeated, but they play Washington Saturday. They're going to play Washington. Okay, At Washington. So, so that's that's a tough game. Man, USC they dodged the bullet in Arizona. I watched almost that whole game after I, I got went to home. sleep on it, Doc. Oh, I watched the whole thing, and USC did not play well, and Caleb didn't play well, but he had magic in the moments, and Arizona just just pissed that away. I mean, and and that goes back to my pet peeve. It's like. You know, second overtime, well, first overtime, when you get to choose to go for two, they both scored. USC did it first, kicked the extra point, and then Arizona scored. You go. go for two. You go. You have one play. You have one play to beat USC in the Heisman Trophy winner. Why do you go, no, I'm going to play it safe. We play another. You're, you're not you the best three. team. And you get three yards. I just – I put that right up there with – with uh, with Mario Cristobal at Miami not taking a knee, that was so know. dumb. He's he, but Ducky's been doing it for years. Well, I'm sorry. And he finally, and then he finally caught up to him. Yeah, take a knee. Take it. Get knee. out of there. Oh, what are you oh. doing running the football? Yeah. So that's and, you know, like that's and, just like Steve Pasarczyk and Herman Edwards way yeah, back in '77. Yeah, just so didn't we learn anything from those tapes? Take Just it, yeah. So, but speaking it's of USC, hard to win. It's hard got, to win. USC's got Notre Dame uh, this weekend, so we may see some more sorting out. I don't think it's a great weekend for for top twenty five games, but uh, that USC Notre Dame's got some uh, serious implications. Where do they go from here, your Longhorns, Doug? Do you think that they can marshal their resources? I do because regroup during this bye week when they're. Hearing it from everywhere, man, how they let it get away. You yeah. think the team that we see on October 21st, at, is it Robertson Stadium still, Duck? It is. Is going to be spitting fire and, and, and ready to get after the fighting Dana Holgersons and not, and not let this Oklahoma hangover carry over for another whole week and have them in some difficulty in Houston? Well, two things I know. This offense is going to score points. You're not going to play Texas and hold them like 14 points or 17 points. Uh, I'm going to be very surprised. And as good as OU's uh, uh, defense was, and it's so much better than last year, Texas still scored 30, and that's with that goal line stand. That's with the ball bouncing off of uh, Jatavian Sanders' uh, shoulder pads for an interception. So, you know, if they just get three points each of those, that gives them 36 points. And I realized one was off the block punt, but this Texas team can score, and they're almost always going to score in the 30s. So in the defense, I don't know, unless I had them pegged wrong, I thought they were a really tough top defense. They didn't show it in the Cotton Bowl, but especially that last drive when they're in this soft prevent, give them a coup. And let Drake Stoops just run wild there. That uh, see, yeah, I played. Drake Stoops was having one of the worst games of his career. He was dropping passes. Drops. He, he was a- not playing well, but he became a hero in the last two minutes. Yeah, had a holding they didn't call against them, and uh, 
Yeah, just and what was Kwiatkowski thinking? You know, be aggressive. You got this chance. Put your foot on their throat. And then the other thing, just the breakdowns for Drake Stoops running wild on that twenty-eight yard pass, and then the final pass where David Benda, you know, that's uh, Nick Anderson just run free. It was a little bit like the Gunner Helm thing where Don't Gunner hit the forty-four yard run up the gut. Oh yeah, you know what? That was OU's longest run uh, of the of the game. Their longest run by OU running back, 12 yards. And see, that's the defense that we've seen all the years. So I if I'm unless I'm reading them wrong, this Texas team's pissed off. And I think if 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 the coaching staff is as good as I think it is, they're gonna play like that these next I like season. to hear that. I like <laughs> a pissed off Longhorns. I like that, Duck. I I want to see a mad. I want Sark. <laughs> I want Sark breathing fire. And I just, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I love what he said on Monday. Yeah, when I need to. When asked about, <clears throat> excuse me, the yeah. where they're going moving forward. Yeah. And this is what he had to say. I think, you know, last year having the game go the way that it went and then and how this one goes, I think the key to this game, and, and I think our players understand that, we got a mature group. Uh, they, they've been that way all year. Uh, I think there's obviously a level of disappointment. Um, they wanted to win as bad or more than anybody else. Uh, they wanted to play well. Unfortunately, we didn't, and we need to own that. Um, and then – okay, now what are we going to do moving forward to make sure that we handle our business in the second half of the season? And I think our team has a you know mature perspective on that, and I, I don't expect anything less of them than for them to go out and you know practice well, be coached, try to get better um, so that we can play you know better football in the second half of the season. He knows. He knows that their goals are still there. They still Gotta have a shot. Got to play better, got to coach better. Got to coach better. People. He didn't dodge anything. No. He didn't dodge anything. He's a man's he man. He's a he man's did. man. He knows. He's coached under the best. He coached under Pete Carroll. He coached under Nick Saban. He knows what needs to be done. And he's probably in there right now, pounding away at the mentality of his team saying, look, that's over. Let's mm. get going. Let's yeah. kick the crap out of Houston. Let's whoop BYU at home. Let's whoop K-State at home. Let's go to Cowtown and have steak. Let's go beat TCU in Fort Worth. Uh, Iowa State is not good. And that – they're so bad that I don't know that they're a trap game. But it's something about those trips you just never know. Yeah, they throttled TCU and uh... – was decent against Oklahoma, even though they gave up 50 on them. So, all right, before we, we get out of here, you're the coach, you're on Sark's staff. What's the one thing you would want to fix? What what needs to be tightened up? Clean up the back years? end. Clean up that back end. Uh, Malik Muhammad, young Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes, um, you guys, you guys got to be better. You're getting what you need out of Jaday Barron. Jaron Thompson played pretty well. Um but you, but you need those guys to gamble less and and play better football overall. Stick to your principles and 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 don't worry about trying to get on the Sports Center top ten because those those gambles on those out routes hurt your team. We can't have mm-hmm. that if you're trying to win a Big Twelve championship. And I, and I got two changes and it involves playing a couple of freshmen a whole lot more. One, speaking of the secondary, as you were, Derek Williams, the freshman safety, is good. 
they they rave about him and he's just getting better and better. And the other one's Anthony Hill, the the freshman linebacker, fast as the wind blows. And why they didn't have, have him, you know, rushing off the edge more, trying to disrupt Dylan Gabriel, get him uncomfortable is beyond me. I don't know why they didn't trust him. Uh, just I'd have had him spying on Gabriel. And see, I didn't really see that many great adjustments in the second half. Did you? No. You know, defensively? I mean, a couple Dylan times Gabriel they had, was they had, they had uh, Jalen Ford spying and, and Gabriel mm-hmm. Jr. Um, he faked him he's out. Not as, and he's not as fast as Anthony Hill. So I would say more Hill, more Derek Williams. And, boy, you, they got to get Catalan and Ryan uh, – Ryan Watts healthy. Those those are big keys to you know trying to run the table. Well, Duck, um, for the first time in forever, neither one of us is going to be covering a college football game this weekend. Take a you breath. So, what, what what do you have up, sir? Uh, I'm just going to get away for a little while and just kind of refresh and recharge and and come back and write pissed off for the second half of the season, right? <laughs> That's our man. You're, you're a happy columnist. You're not going to write pissed off, Doug. You're a happy. No, we love what we do. We are blessed. We love what we do. I will be at the Headliners Club on Friday night Very at the nice. Dan Jenkins Medal of Excellence in Sports Writing. Uh, we're we're giving we're awarding some sports writing awards to two of the best in the country. Also, legendary columnist Bill Roden will be getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. And yours truly will be interviewing George Foreman, the heavyweight champion, the boxing legend, who I go way back with, Duck. I have a You've got a picture. you got a picture. I have a picture of me and old George uh, way back in the day when I was in my 20s and he was in his 30s. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to have fun with that. And uh, we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. That'll do it for episode 312. Of On Second Thought for the Duck. I'm Say Gold, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.